He lives to face our tomorrows before we live to face our tomorrows. Amen? He's there before we get there. Well, good morning. We are so glad you're in the house of God with us today. God has incredible things for everyone in this place. We pray that before every service that God will do a supernatural work in your life, whatever it might be, because only God can do what needs to be done. How many agree with that this morning? Amen. I believe that with all of my heart. Those are props for later. Uh, I'll entertain you later with a message with that. But anyway, we're in the fourth week of our sermon series on the book of Daniel. Uh, I want to start with a question this morning. What do you think was the greatest invention ever invented? Think about it for a minute. I'm sure we all have our own ideas. I would say a biggie is electricity. Amen? What would we do without electricity? Some of you couldn't charge your cell phones and you'd go completely bonkers, amen? I'm thankful and excited about electricity because I didn't have to shave by candlelight this morning. Guys, amen to that. Uh, those of us that shave, right, Leon? Amen. <laughs> How about toilets and indoor plumbing? I'd say that has to be in the top five, amen? Especially when it's cold outside, Amen. And just think, ladies, how much reading we guys have accomplished since they moved the toilets inside. Amen? We'd never get any reading done if they were still outside. Well, there are a lot of incredible inventions out there for sure. But I want to break it down and simplify things and bring up a pretty important little invention that really does a lot of good. How many have ever heard of the sticky note Anybody ever heard of the simple sticky note? You need to be reminded of something. You write it down and you stick it. Sometimes you need to stick it on your forehead. Amen. You write it down and you stick it there so that you remember things. Well, this morning, spiritually, I want to bring up something that I think too much we, too often we forget. We need to be reminded of God's love for us. And we need to be reminded that He has an awesome plan for our lives. We need to be reminded of that, whether it takes this or something else, but be reminded of His love for us, because our world gets spinning so fast sometimes that we stop to pay attention and realize and, and forget that God loves us with a love that's uncomparable, that doesn't compare to anything else, above everything else, because we so easily forget. You know, I ask a lot of people, a lot of people that are discouraged, why do you think God doesn't love you and why do you think he doesn't have a plan for your life? And a lot of times they're going through something or maybe they're praying for a healing for themselves or someone else and it's not working out the way they think it should. So all of a sudden they start questioning themselves and God, but they're saying, what am I doing wrong? Maybe I'm not praying hard enough and stuff like that. Some people doubt God's love whenever they're reminded of their past. We all get reminded of our past. This last week, the enemy stepped in, tried to remind me of some things in my past to bring me down. That's what he specializes in. He tries to bring up the forgiven past. God's already erased it. God's already forgiven, and he's right there to bring it back up. But I believe God knew that we would question his love from the beginning. I believe he knew that. So this morning, I'm going to give you four sticky note reminders of God's love for us and that he has a plan for our lives. If you've been here in the other three sessions of this series, we're in the fourth session. In all four chapters of the book of Daniel, there's one main character that keeps showing up through every chapter. And some of you are thinking, yeah, it's Daniel, of course. No, Daniel wasn't even in chapter three. 
but King Nebuchadnezzar was. And I believe with all of my heart that King Nebuchadnezzar turned his life around in chapter 4 and turns it to God because all of a sudden the power of Almighty God reveals himself and he realizes, wait a minute, there is a God that loves me and there is a God that has an awesome plan for my life. That was King Nebuchadnezzar. So God knew we were going to doubt his love. He knew we were going to question his love. We needed some confirmations along the way. So if you are a Christian this morning, the reason you are a Christian is not because you pursued God so hard. It was because he pursued you. It wasn't because you went after him. He came after you. So if you're taking notes, the first sticky note reminder of God's love is creation. You realize God reveals himself through everything that is. All the creation that's all around us. Uh, and old King Nebuchadnezzar, he wasn't just any old king. He was the most powerful king in all of the world. King over Babylon, the greatest nation at the time of all the world. And back then in that day when a king went to war with their army, they fought too. They fought also along with their, their soldiers. And in chapter 1, we find him out conquering the world with his army. They were defeating nation after nation. And he's out there conquering the world, seeing things never seen before. But he's also seeing things he's seen for his whole life. The sun coming up in the morning, the sun going down at night. And he's seeing all these things that are reminders to him that there is something out there that is a whole lot bigger than he is. There is someone out there that is a whole lot bigger than he is. Psalms chapter 19 verse 1 kind of confirms this. It says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hand. This is for those people uh, that say, well, what about those people that never get to hear about God? Let me just say with what I'm going to read in Scripture this morning, I'm not sure that really all those people exist. Because listen to what it goes on to say. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the skies proclaim the work of His hand. Day after day, the heavens and the skies pour forth speech, night, pour forth speech, night after night, they display knowledge. There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. Their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. So what's that tell us? That tells us that God has made himself obvious in creation. God has made himself obvious in creation to the entire world, past, present, and future. He's been there since the beginning. I want to show you some pictures of just how awesome our God is. How many have ever heard of the Grand Tetons, the mountain range? Pretty awesome. What a beautiful picture. Picture I've heard doesn't even do that justice. But I would say nobody stands at the base of the Grand Tetons and says, hey, look at me, I am awesome. No, they stand at the base of the Grand Tetons and says, hey, there's somebody out there that's a whole lot bigger than me. There's somebody out there that's a whole lot more awesome than I am. And think about this. The same God that created that beautiful mountain range created you and me. And what did he call us? He called us, not that mountain range, he called us the pinnacle, the top of all of his creation, the best of all that he created. That ought to make you feel how a little bit love from God, amen? How about this next one, outer space? We only see this picture because we have something called the Hubble Telescope, I'll admit I wasn't very good in science or astronomy, and I don't really know what that is, but I can say 
when God created that, I can just picture God with his paintbrush saying, I need a little more splash of color here, a little splash of color over there, a few more billion stars over there, four Z, a few more zillion stars over there. I can just picture him putting all of that in place. That right there ought to tell us that God's a whole lot bigger than we are. Amen? It ought to tell us that his plans are a whole lot bigger than we are. His dreams are a whole lot bigger than we are. And I believe right there, God is telling us through creation, I love you, and I have an awesome plan for your life. The next one is my favorite. This next one is my favorite. There he is. That's not just any baby. That's my son, Austin, when he was a baby. Amen? You can say whatever you want to, but that was no accident. Amen? If you study scientifically what it takes to make a baby, and then for a baby to be born, it's a miracle of God. The Bible even says that we were created and knitted together in our mother's womb. God created us. He knitted us together. It says that we were fearfully and wonderfully made. So be at peace this morning. You're not an accident. No matter if somebody's told you you were an accident, you're not an accident. You didn't just happen by chance. God had a plan, and God has a plan. He created us all for a purpose, with a purpose, and for a purpose. Amen? He created us on purpose for His purposes this morning. So every time you hear a baby, and even if it's behind you in the pews today, instead of getting aggravated, remember, wait a minute, that tells me about the awesomeness of God, awesomeness of God's creation. Okay, the next one's really going to get you. It's a doozy that really tells us about the love of God. Moving on. There it is, Krispy Kreme Donuts. How many have ever had a hot melt-in-your-mouth Krispy Kreme Donuts, those heavenly manas from heaven? Amen. Well, when we used to go to Indianapolis to Cheryl's grandmother's, uh, they, she had a Krispy Kreme donut shop around the corner. We always tried to time it to where we could get those uh, juicy morsels right off the assembly line where they're dripping with glaze, hot, melt in your mouth, all that stuff. They were delicious. And they remind me of the church. I mean, I've always said they were baked in God's grace. They were baptized in glazing, amen? They were packed in a box with other donuts because they can't do life alone, amen? You're saying, Pastor, you are weird. You've lost it. I have a point. <laughs> I have a point. But really, when it comes down to it, there are a whole lot of people out there that say all that is just happened. Just happened by accident. We had a big bang. We had a big explosion, and one cell split into two, two into four, four into eight. On and on and on. Let me just say, you really don't believe that, do you? Because in my mind, it takes a whole lot more faith to believe it happened that way than it does to trust in a God that created it all, a supernatural God. If you're believing that, I almost say you've got a little bit more faith than I do, maybe in the wrong direction, but you've got more faith that all this happened just by accident. Okay, now that I've got you hungry with the Krispy Kreme donuts, I want to bring out something else this morning. I want to bring out a cupcake. This is a red velvet cupcake. Anybody like red velvet cupcakes? I like them too. They're awesome. This thing looks awesome. It smells awesome. Um, it was made. It was created. It was designed by a person and made by a person. But today, I want to try to show you and do my best to show you how this cupcake could be made if we believe that all that is was created just by accident, the whole big bang and all. So bear with me, and Rachel, you come and get this. I thought you'd be uh, sign languaging this morning. I was going to give this to you. 
Yes. She works hard every Sunday keeping up with my big mouth, my fast mouth. But bear with me this morning. Yeah, we're going to go all out. Oops. You can tell I don't wear an apron an awful lot at home. Okay, any at home. I've got a bowl here. There it is. There's my bowl. I've got a bowl here, and I've got some ingredients. We're going to make a cupcake this morning. I'm going to start with a little bit of milk, okay? I, I guess you do need milk to make a cupcake, so we're going to pour in a little bit of milk. <sighs> feel like Martha Stewart up here this morning. <laughs> going to put in a little bit of flour. Got to have some flour to make things work. Okay. Some of you cooks, see, I'm doing it right, right? Hey, I can't forget the sugar. You're not going to have a cupcake without some sugar, right? No, that doesn't happen unless you're, you eat the diet cupcakes where they stink, right? Anyway, we got some sugar going on here. Got an egg. Well, that's what we're going to do with that egg. And uh, you always have to have a little bit of butter. I should have brought a napkin. I can tell that right now. Okay, we'll just throw that in there. Okay, now i got to stir it up, right? you got to stir it up. You can't just let those ingredients lie there. So I'm going to stir it up. Mix it all together. Oh, that looks good. Woo! That looks awesome. Now I get my cover. Actually, I'm forgetting one thing. What do you think it is? The explosion! Well, i got one of these. It's a firecracker if nobody knows. Sam Brandenburg helped me out with this last night. I called him and said he had one. So we're going to put the explosion in motion. So here's my cover. I didn't actually rehearse this, so I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> so y'all be praying for me, okay? <laughs> be quick. Yeah, I'll be quick, yeah. Okay, here we go. I'm going to start the lighter up here, okay? You don't want to light that fuse too short. You want to light your lighter, though. Oh, you could tell I was chicken there, didn't you? I, mean, oh! <laughs> I did all this and made a fool of myself to say why. How many cupcakes do you think are in that bowl right now? I mean, I put enough sugar in there to make three or four, right? Flour enough to make three or four. How many do you think are in that bowl? None. Some of you might say, or some people might say, well, pastor, wait a minute. In creation, it took time. You have to give it time, okay? If I set this bowl on the floor and we left it here on the stage for 20 years, and I opened that up in 20 years, how many cupcakes are going to be in there? Zero. Probably a lot of mold in there, amen, but no cupcakes. Design implies a designer, amen? Design implies a designer, and do you realize that our God is a designer? He designed everything that is from the very beginning of time and before. He created all that is. He's the master designer. He created you and I for his purpose, for his glory, and for his plan. He created everything that he created for his glory, for his praise, for his honor. And it wasn't by accident. It wasn't by any explosion. It wasn't by just a random happening 
God creatively designed it with the mind that only God has, that our minds can't even begin to stretch how big He is, how far He is, how wide He is, how awesome He is. Because God is God. He compares to none. So I hope we realize that this whole thing, it wasn't created by accident. Amen? Not at all. The second sticky note reminder of God's love is the people we meet. Do you realize there's specific people that God puts across your path on purpose? I remember when we were starting in ministry 22 years ago, starting up the church, Cheryl and I didn't have a clue what we were doing. We still don't, but we're working at it. But I remember um, just God's awesomeness. He was calling us into ministry. We both knew that without a doubt. He was calling us. He was telling us to simplify our lives, to downsize our lives. And part of that downsizing was to move out of a big house that I had built, build a smaller one, move into a smaller house, a whole lot less expensive, more economical, and all of that. Well, I built a small house next door. We put the big house on the market, and it didn't sell. It just wouldn't sell. We were about to take it off the market, put the little one on the market, and move back in the big house. But we didn't. Our realtor, we talked to him, and he said, let's give it one more open house. Well, we gave it one more open house, and we prayed about it. And during that open house, a couple by the name of Mike and Nancy Wilson, some of you remember them, Mike and Nancy Wilson came along. They loved the house. They bought the house that night. We got acquainted with them, become best friends with them. Um, they started coming to church down here in the beginnings. Um, like I say, Cheryl and I didn't know anything about church, but we found out they had been on previous church boards. Mike had even helped start a couple churches or helped them get organized, which he did for us. He was a mathematician, mathematical whiz. He was a professor of finance down at Eastern University. Long story short, he helped us get everything set up properly with the state, with the government, to run a church and do church right. Um, he was just an awesome guy with the perfect gifts that we needed at that moment. His wife, Nancy, was a computer whiz. She helped us get our church website set up. She helped us get our uh, worship computer set up. She even came along and helped lead some Bible studies. She was awesome at that. Long story short, they helped serve here for many years, and then they moved on. When I say they moved on, Nancy became a pastor, and she passed, still pastors a church down in St. Louis today. Mike retired from the university, but I look back, and that was no accident. That was no accident at all. God had put a plan in motion since the foundations of the earth from before things happened, and he sent the right people to help us, to guide us and lead us and direct us. I don't believe many uh, relationships that we have are by accident. I believe most of them pass through the hand of God, and that one sure did, to get us on the right track, to get us set up the way we uh, should be set up. But I said all that to say, hey, the same thing happened to Nebuchadnezzar. Think about how God connected him in a relationship with four young teenage Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and Daniel. And because of that relationship that they had with the most powerful king in the world, God used their relationship and their connections to bring Nebuchadnezzar's heart to a place that he totally surrendered his life over to the Lord. That was no accident either. Amen? So my big question to all of us this morning is, what about you? Who did God use to bring you into a relationship with Christ? Who did God use to bring you into a relationship with Christ? Because I guarantee you didn't get there by accident. You didn't get there by your own, on your own. Some of you might be saying, well, pastor, I've just always been a Christian. 
I was raised in a Christian home with Christian parents, and I would say, hey, that's awesome, that's great, but God still had a hand in that. As I said a minute ago, before the foundations of the world, he saw you, he knew you, so he knew your parents. He knew the parents he was going to give you to bring into that, you into that relationship uh, with, with Christ. Uh, so I would say whenever we look at those that brought us to Christ, we ought to look at them as some of the biggest sticky notes, and I mean that in a complimentary, complimentary way, however you say that word. <laughs> the biggest sticky notes telling us of God's love and His plan for our lives. Think about that. Think about this. If God used someone to get to you, maybe He wants you to use you to get to someone else. That tells me that evangelism is a big part of His plan. So let me ask you, who are you pursuing for Christ? Who are you telling about Jesus? And if you're not telling anybody about Jesus, maybe it's because you're not walking as closely with Him as maybe you should. Because the truth is, there's no relationships. Uh, maybe I shouldn't say no or none. But they're not by accident. There's a reason you live in that neighborhood. There's a reason that you go to that school. There's a reason that you work at that job. And think about it. Telling people about Jesus wasn't just a suggestion by God. It wasn't just a recommendation. It was an all-out commission that we are to be out there telling people, showing people. But sometimes I think we need to step up and let God give us some words and the heart to say it with and connect with people that we might walk by each and every day. Find some time. Take some time. Make some time to tell them about a Savior that brings the hope we talked about earlier during our prayer time. Amen? So it's about the people we meet. The third sticky note reminder of God's love is the circumstances I go through. The circumstances we go through, sometimes we think they're all by accident and they're a pain in the neck. A lot of them are. But the circumstances we go through, do you realize a lot of circumstances help to change our lives? I want to do a little survey today. Uh, how many of you in here have grandchildren? Anybody have grandchildren? How many grandparents do I have? That's what I'm trying to say. I would say almost everyone, every one of us would say grandchildren are special, right? I mean, there's something special about our grandchildren. I heard it said one time that grandchildren are a parent's reward for not killing their own children. Amen? <laughs> <laughs> kind of true. But how many know that our grandchildren can get away with just about anything and everything? They've got grandma and grandpa wrapped around their little finger. They get by with just about everything, and you've heard the old saying, they even get by with murder. It's kind of like, okay, little Johnny, you want to murder somebody? Okay, we'll bury the body, and then we'll have cookies and milk, amen? <laughs> <laughs> kind of kidding. They get, a, they get away with everything. My wife tells a story about uh, her grandmother, Frances, in, in Indianapolis who was more like a mother to her and ra helped raise her a big part of her life. Um, Grandmother Frances's rule, acting more like a mother to Cheryl, was you don't jump on the beds. Beds weren't made for jumping. We just don't do that around here. Well, when we had our son Austin, we took him over for a visit with Grandma, and Cheryl and I went out to pick something up. We left Austin with Grandma at the house. We come into the house with groceries or whatever it was, and we heard all this commotion going on in the back room, in Grandma's bedroom. We walk back there, and Austin is jumping up and down on her bed like a trampoline. And Cheryl knew how Grandma felt about the bed. She said, get off that bed. You're not supposed to be up there. Grandma's sitting beside him in a chair laughing her head off. And she said, leave him alone. He's not hurting a thing. 
Cheryl kind of had to do a double think there, a double take, because times had changed, grandma had changed, circumstances had changed. Circumstances change. You know, if you're single and you get married, your circumstance changed, amen? All for the good, right, guys? All for the good. Your circumstances have changed. Your circumstances also changed us. Anyway, Nebuchadnezzar, from the past several weeks of Scripture that we've been looking at this guy, he had some amazing circumstances happen in his life, and they absolutely changed his life. God will use circumstances, good or bad sometimes, to bring change into our life. You know, in the 22 years of ministry, I've talked to several people. I've had a chance to ask them, what was it that got your attention and brought your heart toward God? What was it? I've gotten a lot of different answers. A few that came to my mind was when they told me I had cancer, that got my attention. When my kid or my child got sick, that got my attention. When I went through that divorce, that got my attention. When I lost my job, that got my attention. I've talked to a lot of people that have gone through some really tough times. God didn't let those tough times go to waste. He used those tough times to get their attention and to bring them to Christ. He's the only one I know that can take a tragedy and turn it into a triumph. He's the only one I know that can take a victim, turn their life around, and help them to start walking in victory. So if you're here today and you're going through what you consider some overwhelming, can't-get-past circumstances, I believe you ought to look at it differently today to believe that this is nothing more than God saying, hey, you're not in this thing alone. You're not in this thing alone. I may love you enough to let you go through the fire like he did Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to get your attention, but I'm walking every single step of the way with you through your trial, through your test, and through your trouble. The only problem, I think, with the church sometimes, we have heard the old adage that God will never put on us more than we can handle, and I know where people get that, and I understand part of that thinking, uh, but that's not biblical, really. I know they get it from 1 Corinthians chapter 10, 13 that says no one can be tempted above what they can bear. But do you realize what that's talking about, temptation? Especially sexual temptation? It's not talking about the regular troubles and trials and tests and problems that we go through each and every day because without a doubt God will put on you or allow to be put on you more than you can handle for a good reason so we would need Him. Think about it. If he never did that, we would never acknowledge the need for him. It's just some common sense thinking there. Amen? God will always allow overwhelming circumstances to come into our lives for a really good reason, to bring us to our knees and bring our vision and our focus back to uh, the cross and for us to stop trusting in our own power, in our own strength, and start trusting in his strength to carry us through. God always and will always use our circumstances for his glory. So this morning, I don't doubt that a lot of you are going through some pretty heavy circumstances, and I know that's part of life. But believe with all of your heart this morning that God can use it for His purpose, for His plan, and for His glory. You might be saying, Pastor, I'm going through a really hard time, and I can't see God working this out for His good or for the good of me or for the glory of God. You know why we don't see that? It's because we're not God. We don't think like God. His ways are so much higher than our ways. Think about this. He's the only one that can take a blood-stained cross and turn it into an empty tomb. Amen? A blood-stained cross all of a sudden becomes an empty tomb. Some of you, if you're like me, you have people pop into your minds now and then, people that need God. Maybe they're going through a hard time. Maybe uh, they don't know Him at all. I've said this all along 
Revelation equals responsibility. If you realize something and God is telling you about a need, you don't just need to tell the pastor about it, let him take care of it. Maybe God's calling you to pray about it, but maybe God's calling you to do some physical hands-on stuff and some help to get out there and be the hands and feet of Christ personally to somebody. Amen? Prayer is good, but sometimes we need to move that prayer into some action on our own. Uh, Make a phone call. Maybe somebody's on your heart, give them a phone call. It can be as simple as that. The last sticky note reminder of God's love is Jesus. I've got to wrap it up with Jesus. The name that's above every name. How many of you have ever met someone, and you don't really know why, but you just don't click with that person? In fact, you don't even like that person. They've not ever done you wrong. You just, I don't like them. I just don't like them. I heard a story about this guy that felt that way about his neighbor. One day he goes out and uh, sees his neighbor in the driveway next door. He's under his hood cleaning his battery cables. And this guy that didn't like his neighbor, of course, he's the Christian of the group, right? (laughs) He's the Christian. He goes, well, I ought to be the Christian, do the Christian thing. And he walks over there, tries to strike up a conversation and says, hey, I see you're cleaning your battery cables. How's that going? The guy said, oh, pretty good. Uh, He says, you know, just carrying on the conversation. Maybe I should do that to mine sometime. The guy comes out from under the hood and says, hey, pop your hood. I'll be right over. We'll clean your battery cables too. Well, this guy that had judged his neighbor went home that day, and the guy cleaned his battery cables, but he went in the house, and the Holy Spirit kind of whispered to him and says, hey, jerk, how's that feel? That's how we treat Jesus sometimes. That's how we treat Jesus sometimes. This guy misjudged this other guy. We misjudge people, maybe by the people they're hanging around, the things that they do. We just misjudge them. We have misconceptions about them. Um, Well, many of us do the same with Jesus Christ. Many of us do the same with Jesus because the people that follow him are crazy. (laughs) They are. (laughs) But let me tell you this. Please don't judge Jesus by people. Because we're all a little bit crazy. Amen? Get into the Scriptures. Find out who He is for yourself. And when He reveals Himself to you, He's going to change your life. He's going to change your thinking. He's going to change your attitude. And deep down, He's going to change your heart to the heart He wants it to be. Amen? He's going to change. You can't find one place in the Scriptures where somebody genuinely met Jesus Christ and didn't change. They changed for the good. They could not stay the same. So Jesus is the greatest sticky note, reminder of God's love for us. And you know, when somebody might have a hard time admitting that Jesus is real, try this out sometime, just an experiment. Ask them when their birthday was. They might say, well, it was June 13th, 1970. And all you have to say is, okay, 1970 years from what? Christ's birthday. With them admitting their birthday, they've admitted Christ's birthday, they've admitted how real Jesus is. Nebuchadnezzar realized how real Jesus was. Remember last week when we talked about how he threw the three Hebrew boys in the furnace, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? It says in Daniel chapter 3, verse 24, King Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar, <laughs> King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, Weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, certainly, O king. He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like the son of the gods. 
Again, I'll say he wasn't focused so much on Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He was focused on the fourth man in the fire. The guy that did go in there with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but ended up in the fiery furnace. And we know from what we know is that this guy was Jesus showing up in the Old Testament. Nebuchadnezzar saw Jesus, experienced Jesus, witnessed Jesus, and it changed him. It overwhelmed him. Because of creation, because of people, and because of circumstances, and ultimately because Nebuchadnezzar had a revelation of who Jesus was, he goes on to write this in Daniel chapter 1, verse 4, or 4, verse 1. He says, To the people, nations, and men of every language who live in all the world, may you prosper greatly. That doesn't sound like the same old king to me. You can tell he's had a heart change. He's just a nicer guy, period. Amen? Verse 2, It is my pleasure to tell you about the miraculous signs and wonders that the Most High God has performed for me. How great are His signs, how mighty His wonders. His kingdom is an eternal kingdom. His dominion endures from generation to generation. So this is King Nebuchadnezzar, the most powerful king in the world, with the most powerful nation in the world, and he's openly admitting that I met Jesus, and it changed my life. He isn't afraid to admit it. Once you meet Jesus, you're, meet Jesus, you're not afraid to admit that he's my Lord, he's my Savior, he's my God, he's my King, he's my resurrection, he's my power, he's my hope, he's my divine protector. Jesus is Jesus. And when you meet him, he becomes real. And if you haven't met him, he is more real than you can ever even imagine. And I cannot leave this place without saying you need to meet Jesus this morning. You need to meet him. Open your heart and say, Jesus, I need you. I've been trying to do this a whole lot, uh, too long, way too long by myself. Nebuchadnezzar finally realized that. And Nebuchadnezzar had everything this world could offer. He was one of the richest men in the world. The most powerful men in the world. But when he met Jesus, it changed him. And it changed his priorities. All of a sudden, money didn't matter so much. All of a sudden, power didn't matter so much. So this morning, let me say this. You didn't find Jesus if you're a Christian because he wasn't the one that was lost. He found you. You were lost. He came after you. He came after me. I love the scripture that says, while we were yet sinners. Notice that he calls us sinners, not good people. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. If you ever, ever, ever doubt the love of God, you don't have to look any further than Jesus. You don't have to look any further than Jesus because he is perfect evidence that God loves us and that God has an awesome plan for your life. Somebody needs to be encouraged today to hear that in their heart, that God's got his eye on you. If he sees every sparrow that falls from the sky, he certainly sees your life. And he wants to mend whatever's going on. He wants to put it back together. But I want to close with two pictures that tell the story. Number one, it's Jesus hanging on a blood-stained cross. Number two, an empty tomb. A blood-stained cross and an empty tomb. Jesus was brutalized on that blood-stained cross. Jesus was brutalized and bled all the blood out of his body on that cross. And he died so that we could live. Jesus died and paid the penalty for our sin so that you and I could be forgiven and so that you and I could be made right with a holy God. When Adam and Eve fell in the garden, they separated mankind from God. They broke that relationship that He had designed and created. Jesus, hanging on that cross, bleeding and dying, brought it back. 
He brought us back together, made us right with God, but he wasn't satisfied with that. God wasn't satisfied with that, and he didn't leave it there. That empty tomb tells us that not only did Christ die, but he came back to life. So that you and I could spiritually come back to life. So that you and I could live again, have a full life. The Bible says have a free life, have an abundant life, and most of all, have an eternal life. Amen? It was no accident. So Jesus isn't trying to hold you back from anything that he wants you to be this morning. He's actually trying to set you free. He's actually trying to cut you loose to be all that God wants you to be. So this morning, a blood-stained cross and an empty tomb are without a doubt the greatest sticky note that God ever gave. The greatest reminder of his love for us and that he has an awesome plan for your life. Will you take that home with you today to believe that God has a plan for little old me? I thought I was worthless. I thought nobody cared about me, but God cares about me greater than anyone could ever care for me. Could you stand to your feet this morning? And could you bow your hearts in prayer? Lord, we as a congregation stand before you hearing your word, loving your word, treasuring your word. And I pray that that word, that your word tells us, won't return void. We'll accomplish what it's set to do in our hearts and minds and spirits today. Lord, help us to see your love all around us in our victories and in our defeats. Father, help us to see your love around us in our good times and in our bad. Help us to see you in creation. Lord, help us to see you in the people that you put across our paths. Help us to see you in our circumstances. But most of all, help us to see you through your Son, Jesus Christ. And I pray that everyone in this room would know today before they leave that you are Lord and that they would make you Lord and Savior of their lives. I believe with all of, I know with all of my heart that Jesus is in this room today. And if you've never committed your life to Christ, I want to pray a prayer with you right now, right where you're standing. I want us all to pray this prayer. I pray this prayer often, recommitting my life fresh and new to Christ each and every day. But I want you to, let's all repeat this prayer. But if you're asking Jesus to come into your heart for the first time, He's already seen that. He already sees it, He already knows it, and He's ready to step into your life and bring that change that needs to be there. So could you repeat after me? Lord Jesus... I love you, and I need you. I open my heart, and I ask you to come in. I invite you to come in, to be the Lord of my life, to be the Savior of my life. Thank you for dying for me so that I could live for you. Use my life for your glory. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name. Father, I thank you for those that have committed freshly and new to you today. I thank you, Lord, that their names are written down in the Lamb's book of life, forever settled in heaven. And I thank you, Lord God, for the awesome message that you have given us through your word, through the stories that we read about, through the uh, things that we have seen. We thank you most of all for your presence. Lead us and guide us as we leave from this place to be your church, to tell everyone we know about your goodness and your mercy and about your Son, Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name I pray. And everyone said... Amen. God bless you all. Have a wonderful day.